you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And on today's show, I want to take a moment and assess how this Missouri roster is done at this point in the season. You might be thinking, gosh, John, that's a little early, but quite honestly, we are already, hold on, let me see, let's do the math here. Let's see, three divided by 10. We are 30% through this season, and quite honestly, we've already seen a couple games moved. Who knows? Who knows if we even get to 10? I'd have to guess so at this point. But you never know. So let's assess the entire roster, how it's all gone down at this point in the season. Also, I've got a Jeremy Macklin-related couple sound bites for you guys that I took off the Ryan Rossillo podcast from a couple weeks ago that I think you all will find interesting. But first, let's just talk about Kentucky a little bit. And of course, this Saturday at 3 o'clock, Faroe Field, the Kentucky Wildcats, will be here playing the Tigers in football, and as all of you are probably painfully aware, the Tigers have lost five straight games to Kentucky, and no more painful, certainly, than the 2018 loss that was a near-goal-line stand. Lynn Bowden famously ran back a punt when Kentucky had basically done nothing offensively the entire game. We mistakenly did not kick the ball out of bounds. Yada, yada, yada. We don't need to rehash that, do we? But what struck me, honestly, I think a lot of people thought of maybe that 2018 Kentucky game, Missouri's previous game against LSU, obviously the big goal line stand that was successful for our Tigers. Had to make you think of that 2018 Kentucky game a little bit. Also certainly made me think of very early in the Barry Odom regime, 2016 against Georgia, back before Kirby Smart had really gotten that train rolling in a serious way. Missouri had a chance to upset the Bulldogs, and, well, some one-on-one coverage late in the game. Isaiah McKenzie, I believe, over Arion Penton for the game-winning touchdown. A lot of people questioned why there was no safety help there. But again, we don't need to rehash all of that. The point is, Missouri ended up losing that game to Georgia by one point. And if you just think, from Barry Odom's perspective, how many times has he thought, gosh, if I just could have gotten that one, how much different would things have been? You know, just to get that positive momentum going in your direction with a a big win against a a blue blood program, quite frankly, early in a guy's tenure like Odom, I, I think it could have made a huge difference for him. Who knows how things play out if he gets that one done early in the 2016 season. So the idea that Eli Drinkwitz was able to actually pull out a victory there. Now, the statisticians out there, all the the analytics people, they're much more of taking the big picture look at things. So in terms of a result, they actually aren't going to change their view on Eli Drinkwitz, whether Missouri got a goal line stand or not. And maybe that's a smart way to look at it in some ways, because obviously If Nick Bolton, for instance, if somehow that Miles Brennan pass on third down doesn't get batted down by Nick Bolton, that's quite possibly a touchdown. And, well, we're going, hey, it was a moral victory, that kind of deal. We're talking ourselves into the future looking good, good, in spite 
of a heartbreaking loss. Well, obviously, we saw the all the post-game hype videos, just the reaction videos in the locker room. You can't overstate how important that win was. You really can't. It may not show up in some statistical model how important that one victory was, but especially in this type of really, really difficult schedule that Missouri has this season, just getting that victory out, I really believe that was paramount. And just in terms of team psychology and the spot that Missouri and Kentucky are both going to find themselves in this Saturday, well, Kentucky is coming off a big victory as well. I think the difference is, obviously, they played last Saturday and we didn't. So we're going to have more time to prepare for Kentucky. We're going to have, again, we had a few extra days to prepare because, well, we knew that we were going to play this game a couple days before Missouri, or I'm sorry, before Kentucky had to play Tennessee. And the thing is, before this past Saturday, the Wildcats had lost 17 straight football games in Knoxville. And it was also Kentucky's biggest road victory in terms of point differential, margin of victory. Again, biggest road win in the school's history over a top 25 team. So if a team might be looking at a letdown, it could be this Saturday. It really could. Especially, would you, could you even blame those kids? None of these kids have ever lost to Missouri. Those seniors for Kentucky have never lost to the Tigers. So if in the back of their subconscious... If they're looking past Missouri, that wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. And if you're Missouri, on the other hand, yeah, you might think, well, let down coming off a big victory for them as well. But frankly, I don't think Missouri can in any way look past Kentucky. Again, they've been humiliated by the Wildcats the last few years. There's no other way to put it. Missouri expected to be better than Kentucky when they entered the SEC, and that just simply has not happened. Now, as I pointed out yesterday, The Wildcats relied heavily on getting takeaways, winning the turnover margin in their two victories. And obviously, Missouri has turned the ball over at times, too. They fumbled way too many times in their last effort against LSU, and clearly that's going to be one of the big parts of the game. Now, the good news is when I really start breaking this thing down, I think if Missouri can avoid turnovers, they've got a great chance at victory because... Kentucky is going to throw it about one-third as often as they run it. So they're very much an old-school team. And yet, Terry Wilson, who ended up getting injured last season, well, they kind of are careful with him as a runner. He is a good quarterback runner, but I've seen some Kentucky Wildcats fans complaining that they haven't run him enough so far. But they've got a lot, a big collection of running backs they give them they don't have a real bell cow type guy but the closest is probably Chris Rodriguez Jr. You'll definitely be hearing his name 10 or 12 times in the game at least for sure but again they've got a lot of options at running back right now. So expect a ball control style offense from Kentucky for sure. So far it's worked in the victories. It's awesome when they get ahead. If they get ahead by a couple touchdowns against a team like Tennessee, that type of offense is great, but If Missouri can get off to a fast start offensively, as they did against LSU, I just I kind of like Missouri in this spot. I really do. Especially early here, we'll consider the line opened up Kentucky by either six, six and a half. We're sitting at I think five and a half now. I really like Missouri getting that many points, getting more than a field goal at home this Saturday.
And you know what else I really like? It's not leaving my house unless it's absolutely, positively necessary. And of course, anytime I need auto parts, there's nowhere else to go but rockauto.com. Because I'll be honest with all of you, I bought my first ever new car about six years ago, my first ever new vehicle. And well, for years, I would just sort of mindlessly take it in to the dealership every few months or so, get it serviced. But then you slowly but surely realize that, gosh darn it, I am paying way too much money at this dealership. And instead, I should just be a man and figure out how to do this stuff, do this kind of stuff myself. And the best way is, of course, to find the unique and deep catalog over at rockauto.com, which is, of course, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, break it down by brand, specifications, even by price range. So again, go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And speaking of a great new service with an old product, an old great product, well, let's talk about Coors Light. Because here's the great thing about Coors Light. As always, Coors Light, a part of Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, really encourage all of you to celebrate responsibly. And what better way to do so than by having your awesome chili mountain refreshment delivered straight to your door. So go right now to get Coors Light delivered to your straight to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to wine, so when you're ready to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Man, those Coors Light reads really get my mouth watering. I'm not going to lie, but darn it, it's only 1 o'clock, a little bit too early for chill mode. But you know what it's not too early for? An assessment of our Missouri Tigers so far. And you know what? Since we have a bit of breaking news involving the wide receivers, why don't we just start there? Now, obviously, one of the big storylines coming out of that LSU victory was the play of Toski Dove, who we saw a little bit of flashes from at the end of last season, but also walk-on wide receiver Boo Smith, who, I'm going to be honest, I had not heard of until about a week and a half ago when he was in the starting lineups. So the question then is obvious. What do we do with these new guys? Because Kiki Chisholm, Damon Hazleton, Dominic Jacinto, Well, all those guys saw quite a bit of action, obviously, including the first two guys I mentioned were starters. Jacinto got a lot of action, too. Well, they sat out with COVID-19, contract, either contact tracing related or maybe one of them tested positive. I'm really not sure. Doesn't truly matter. What matters is, is Dove and Smith were far, far more productive, frankly, than Chisholm or Hazleton had been in the first two weeks. So then the question remains, what do we do? Well, it looks like we have some answers. And according to this week's depth chart for the Kentucky game just released by Eli Drinkwitz, the two outside receiver positions, starters listed Dove or Chisholm, followed by Chance Looper. Then the other outside receiver spot, you've got 
Boo Smith or Micah Wilson with Damon Hazelton being the de facto third stringer. So that was interesting to me, the fact that Hazelton is not even an or as a starter. Maybe a bit of a pejorative for his play so far, I hate to say it. But, you know, it's, I also don't want to be too unfair because those guys only played two games. You just you hate to see the drops is the one thing. Now, slot receiver, Jalen Knox, who's played pretty well this year. I feel like Eli Drinkwitz has unlocked him as a bit of a gadget player. Well, he's got an oar with Barrett Bannister, Jacinto, now the de facto third-string guy. Now, obviously, how this all plays out, that whole rotation, we'll see. In other words, we'll see how that works out over the next few weeks. But just for this week, I'm frankly really happy to see that Dove and Smith were rewarded, and to a lesser extent, Michael Wilson, were rewarded with good play. And they they were really, really good in the LSU game. It wasn't just a fluke. Those guys made some plays. They caught everything that came their way, and we won the football game. I just like from a team culture perspective of not doing the whole, oh, well, you can't lose your job to injury or contact tracing. By golly, play who you think the best guys are to help you win the game. And let the players, frankly, figure it out themselves with just good old-fashioned competition. Now, as for the rest of the offense, I think I've made my feelings on Connor Basilak pretty clear so far. Obviously, we're feeling good about him, so... No reason to go too in-depth in this particular segment. Kind of same thing with the running backs. I think Larry Roundtree has been excellent so far. I think he's looked, frankly, just a little bit more spry this year. Something about him just looks a little bit faster, just a little bit more pep in his step compared to maybe the 2019 season. I don't know. That's pure speculation on my part. Regardless, he's ran the football really, really well this year. Tyler Beatty being a nice complimentary piece to him. He's also ran well, but also we know his his abilities in the passing game. And again, just want to emphasize the offensive line, considering the expectations and the amount of question marks that they had coming into the season, I got to give them at least, I don't know, a B-plus so far. I'm not saying they've been world beaters, but they certainly haven't been a minus. For the most part, listen, look at what happened against LSU. There was a lot of clean pockets for Connor Basilak. And Larry Roundtree ran for 126 yards, I think. So that's that's two thumbs up for that game for sure. And just, again, with all the questions they've had, I, I can't help but be impressed. And on the other side of this break, let's talk about the defense, assess them just quickly as well, and also get to those fun Jeremy Macklin sound bites involving his former quarterback, Mr. Michael Vick. Now on the defensive side of the ball, Let's start with the linebackers. And clearly you've got Nick Bolton, who's been every bit as good as you would want him to be. Does that mean he's been perfect? No, he did kind of overrun that screen pass in the red zone against Tennessee that ultimately resulted in a touchdown for the Volunteers. But frankly, we've already brought up the crucial pass bat down. He's made other incredibly impactful plays already this season against obviously that helped us win against LSU. I don't know, to my eyes, the guy's been all over the field. He's tough as nails, battling through some sort of injury. He's been everything you'd want him to be. He's getting an A from me. Now, as far as the guys next to him, frankly, nobody has stood out so far. I don't know what to make of Jamal Brooks or Devin Nicholson, to be terribly honest, because they just haven't showed out very much. 
So, I don't know. How about an incomplete grade from them so far? Now, as far as the defensive line in general, and I'll include the rush ends in this, I think you got to say the, the interior of the defensive line has been a disappointment so far. For all the hype we heard about, well, Kobe Whiteside and Akeel Byers and Darius Jackson and all these different names, I don't know if the production has been there yet. There's definitely been moments where Kobe has wormed his way into the backfield or just powered his way in for sure, but I guess the people who wondered if Jordan Elliott, well, if he was going to miss, if Kobe was going to miss having Elliott next to him to draw attention from the defense, well, that, that looking, looking like that might be a correct take so far. Frankly, just the run defense has left a lot to be desired, and other than Trajan Jeffcoat or Trey John Jeffcoat, He's, he's definitely stood out as a pass rusher. But other than him, who has? Nobody that I can see, quite frankly. And as for the secondary, I think the safeties have been about what we expected. Now, Martez Manuel made a really critical error in that LSU game that he, he basically underplayed a ball. It looked like he was going to intercept the pass. That I believe it was Terrence Marshall takes it about 80 yards to the end zone after Manuel jumps in the air and... and He's short, frankly. He's just short. He jumps too quickly, misjudges the football, and that thing goes all the way to the end zone. So that was a really big mistake by him. But to my eyes, the most part, he's played pretty well. And certainly Josh Bledsoe made the pass defense to win the game last week. So I think you got to give them passing grades so far. And you know what? The young corners, Ennis Rakestraw, Ishmael Burdine, even the, the, young, the, the veteran in that group, Adam Sparks, you know, to my eyes, they've played pretty well. I, I can't go insane about it. Obviously, we gave up 400 yards in the air to Miles Brennan last week, but two weeks ago. So I can't say they've been perfect. But again, just talking about young guys, are, are, more often than not, I'm seeing Rakestraw and Burdine, at least in the play. They're in a position to where they're at least bothering the guy. The, they're making them make tough catches, let's put it that way, when they are getting catches. So to me, obviously while we may not have a lockdown secondary by any stretch of the imagination, to me the front four, just to a lesser extent the front seven itself, that's been the real problem for Missouri so far defensively. Not so much the back end, it's the front end. And weirdly enough, Missouri corners have not intercepted a pass since 2018 against when they blew out Tennessee late in that season. I think DeMarcus Acey had two interceptions there. But somehow a Missouri corner has not intercepted a ball since then. That's really hard to believe. And frankly, obviously, the more passes you defend, the more chances you get for interceptions. So hopefully Missouri will keep defending some passes and eventually they got to come up with a ball. Kentucky would be a good time for that. But frankly, Terry Wilson isn't going to give you a lot of chances. And finally, in terms of the assessment, obviously, the Missouri specialists have been quite good so far in terms of kicking. The kickoff specialist boots them through the field just about every time. Adam Cading, Harrison Mevis has been solid. Grant McKinnis has been solid at punter. No problems with the snapping, anything like that. We're good to go there. Now, punt returner, that's another issue. We've talked about that before, so I don't need to, to redo it again. But Joe Waljasper in his weekly column suggested that perhaps Missouri should just fair catch all punts at this point. That they don't have an athlete back there to make the 
fumbling the punt or just incurring some block in the back penalty that that hurts your field position more than it helps. You know what? That may sound extreme to some people to just fair catch all the punts, but I think he might be on to something. Now, should you literally fair catch every punt? No, but quite honestly, that should be the default mode at this point. It's just for Missouri to possess the football because in terms of game breakers back there, I don't think we have any yet. And now finally, before we get out of here, a couple weeks ago on the Ryan Rosillo show, and I've been I've been holding on to this for a while as to not step on Ryan's show, obviously. Not that my audience is going to compete with his. But Michael Vick was on the show, and Ryan was asking Michael just about kind of the diva wide receivers in life. He says, you know, basically their conversation was Ryan saying, listen, I can understand that if you run 80 routes in a game and you get two throws, that's a tough job. But at the same time, it strikes him that some guys, it seems like they'd rather get their balls, get their targets and receptions and lose. And so he kind of asked Michael Vick about that and sort of, were there any players who were very demanding for the football during his time in the NFL? And well, a certain wide receiver from Kirkwood, Missouri, that you're all familiar with happened to come up. You know, he, he he wasn't selfish to a point where, you know, if, if we lost and he had 10 catches, that he was happy. It was just that if we lost and J-Mac ain't getting no attempts, oh, you're going to hear it because he like, look, I could be a difference maker. You know, I, I know what I can do when I when I get the ball in my hand. So I felt more of the responsibility on myself. I felt pressure to get the ball to Jeremy. Um, he, he, like I say, don't go, you know, more than two games without giving him at least six to eight targets. And that's just because he demanded the ball. But it was more sort of competitive in him. So I, I worried about more of J-Mac. Deshaun, I was like, okay, Deshaun, if I just hit him on one bomb, if I hit him on one bomb, he cool. You know what I'm saying? Then I could focus on Jeremy. So that, that was the cool part about playing with young receivers and helping develop those guys because it wasn't just on the field development. It was off the field as well. So that's interesting. By the way, the, the Deshaun there is Deshaun Jackson, of course, and I was a little bit surprised, frankly, that, that Jeremy was more of the demanding receiver than Deshaun Jackson. Maybe that was just my perception of Deshaun, the famous, the guy who famously has dropped the football in celebration before, the, before crossing the plane of the end zone on multiple occasions. Maybe that just struck me as kind of a selfish move. But again, I think, obviously, Michael Vick wasn't trying to say that Jeremy was selfish. It was just more the, the competitive juices, as he was emphasizing there. But of course, Ryan couldn't help himself. He likes all this inside football kind of knowledge. So he followed up with Mr. Vic and asked him, how would J-Mac actually go about bothering Michael for more targets? Jeremy will bring and, you the stat sheet. Jeremy <laughs> will bring you the stat sheet. Like, and, and Jeremy was real smart. He was a real smart player. And he'll come and step in the film room for a minute. Look, bro, that's, that's this considered open right here. You know what I'm saying? So, so what I'm saying is, you know, uh, you know, clouded coverage or, you know, it's a little iffy. It's not iffy to him. So I had to let J-Mac, I had to let him have it. And I think I did pretty well, um, you know, in satisfying his hunger for the football. All right. Good stuff there from Michael Vick on the Ryan Rossillo Show. Just wanted to share that with you all just rather quickly. And speaking of quickly, 
Let's get on out of here rather quickly. I might have to just get me a Coors Light and get in chill mode. How about that? So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.